0: talk about the girls. And so this morning, I uh, want to speak on uh, motherhood. I do want to speak towards that. This afternoon in Billy Nudgell, we're going to talk about the daughters in the house and um, and the inheritance that's theirs in the kingdom of God. And, um, and I think uh, for those that can get there, I think it will bless you. Um, now, I want to turn to the book of Judges. So we'll turn there, Judges uh, chapter 5. I want to read a song from perhaps one of the greatest women in the whole Old Testament that at least I'm aware of. Uh, Her name is Deborah. I'm sure many of you have heard of her. And a whole chapter comes from her her pen, which is a song. And I want to read some words of this song for us all today. Um, Just before I do, I might add, uh, can I, I just say, with Mother's Day and father's day i hope you realize that the uh, origin the initiative came from the christian church i hope you realize that mother's day being born out of the usa uh was totally a christian concept in origin and it was to give women honor that should rightfully be theirs and I, I am a great believer in it, even if people like Chris Cammage are a great believer in this. <laughs> You're going to be good? Very good. Because uh, if I go over time, she'll start throwing food at me. Uh, okay, so Judges 5 verse 1. Then sang Deborah and Barak, the son of Abinom, in that day. The leaders took the lead in Israel that the people are offered themselves willingly, bless the Lord. Hear, O kings, give ear, O princes, to the, uh, to the Lord I will sing. I will make melody to the Lord, the God of Israel. Lord, when you went out from Seir, when you marched from the region of Edom, the earth trembled and the heavens dropped, yet the clouds dropped water. Yes, the clouds dropped water. The mountains quaked before the Lord, even Sinai before the Lord, the God of Israel. In the days of Shamgar, son of Anath, in the days of Jael, the highways were abandoned and travelers kept to the byways. The villages ceased in Israel. They ceased to be until I arose. I, Deborah, arose as a mother in Israel. And so... Uh, This song is the song of Deborah. I know it begins and goes, then sang Deborah and Barak. But the word sang there is actually in the feminine gender. It's the one who sang this song was Deborah. And it's really about her I want to uh, speak. Uh, Now, when we come to the book of Judges, um, Judges is probably one of the most wonderful books on salvation and a savior figure that we have, uh, certainly within the Old Testament. And there are judges' figures that come into the book. The first, uh, not many people know, but because there's no color to him. I call him the black-white judge or the white-night judge of judges, Othniel. And Othniel, uh, the lion of the tribe of Judah, uh, just brings salvation, and and he doesn't get preached on much because there's not much color. Then there are these little minor judges who are an appendix to a major judge. So the second judge is Ehud. And Ehud from the tribe of Benjamin uh, is a left-handed savior. Everyone was looking for a right-handed savior, but he delivers with a, being a left-handed savior. And then there's a little minor judge because it has the same commentary as the major there of Ehud. And we have Shemgar, the ox goad judge. He brought deliverance by the strangest of weapons, an ox goad. Then we have the one that's our topic today, Deborah and Barak. And we have a woman savior. And, uh, and this girl is something, and, and that's going to be our, our topic. And then you have Gideon. Everyone loves to preach on Gideon because he's the human Savior. We all identify with him. And uh, there's these little uh, little uh, subscripts or, or appendixes to him in the minor judges, Tola the scarlet judge and Jair, the polygamous judge because they're human. They're actually flawed judges. And then you have Jephthah, the tragic judge, who had only one daughter, and he will end up losing his one daughter. And I call him the tragic judge. And then we have little appendixes again, the polygamous judge, Ibzan, who had many, many daughters. In other words, bringing the emphasis on this very tragic figure of Jephthah, and then Elon and Abdon. And then finally we have Samson, the strongest man in the Bible, or the weakest, uh, because of Petticoats, you know, the three P's pride, pennies, and petticoat junction. (laughs) Or you might have heard the three G's gold, glory. (laughs) Anyway, I think you get the drift. Anyway, he's not our topic today, but he was a very weak judge. Now, it's Deborah I want to speak about, and it's fairly obvious in this count uh, of Deborah that women. Rule the order of the day in this account, primarily revolving around two women: Deborah, who's our subject, and another woman called Jael. Now, Barak is in the story, but if I can maybe uh, just give you this: Deborah, her name means bee, and I like to think of her as bringing honey to the soul and a sting to the conscience. She is is actually out of all the characters and judges, she stands above them all, head and shoulders. There's no flaw even mentioned there in her life. And um, she begins a campaign against a Canaanite oppressor. And she does it by calling Barak, whose name means lightning bolt. And so she'll bring him into uh, the position where he'll deliver the nation. And she's possibly the most godly and wisest person of the 300 years of history of the book of Judges. Then we have this other woman called Jael. She will finish the, the account against the, the Canaanite oppressors, overthrowing this character called Sisera. And what happens? She will destroy her adversary with a hammer and a tent peg. Now, when we come to Deborah, what happens within the church, if I can just say this, is, is Deborah is a most unusual character. She's a prophetess, which means the anointing of God is upon her to speak to the nation of Israel. And not only that, she is a judge, which means she's a ruler, ruling government official in the whole nation at this time. Now, what happens, people don't know what to do with her. We have uh, these pendulum swings amongst uh, certainly the theological people. You have the ultra-conservatives, the fundamentalists. She just does not fit the women should not speak in the church's rule. (laughs) She breaks every part of the whole paradigm that they can have. And so she's dismissed as an exception rather than a rule. Uh, They they just ignore her, uh, basically, those people that usually hold that position. Then we have the ultra-radicals of the feminists. They love Deborah. And, And they come and champion her as the biblical paradigm for all women in emphasizing a strong, decisive leadership. And they make her the rule rather than the exception. Now, the interesting thing with that is not what people think about Deborah is what Deborah thought of herself. That's what I find fascinating. Because, in fact, Deborah uh, held nearly every distinguished office that could be held. But actually, when she sings of her own life, she sings what she believed was most significant and brought most influence into the world. And it's that I want to talk about. So let me just sort of give a little bit of a, a background here. Uh, This new oppressor had arisen over the nation of Israel. His name was Jabin of Canaan from the city of Hazor. And he had a commander of his army called Sisera. Now, Israel go through the same boring routine of sin. Sin is very boring. And in a book of Judges, it just spirals down and down and down and gets worse right throughout the book. Now, what happens, this is, in fact their old enemy reprised. Because if you go back to the book of Joshua, this was the northern coalition that would, tried to resist Joshua in the conquest. And so Jabin's great-great-grandfather was Jabin, the king of Hazor, who opposed Joshua. And uh, they heard about Joshua coming, and they gathered this coalition, and they joined forces and tried to oppose Joshua. Joshua in the north. Now the tragedy is Israel have now been three hundred or, or a couple of hundred years in the land, and here they are overcome by the same oppressor. Now this same oppressor, these two Jabin's are from the same pedigree and stock. Uh, they are from the same capital of Hazor, same weaponry and chariots and etc. And the same Canaanite stronghold, same channel, uh, 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 same time, but just a couple of hundred years apart. Everyone got the picture. Now, it's a tragedy when God's people are overcome by the very sins that were overthrown before they ever came to God. But this is exactly what happens for Israel in this situation. Now, what happens, it says it was a very bad time for them historically. It was in the days of Shamgar, the son of Anath, in the days of Jael, who we'll come to in a moment. The highways were abandoned. No one could live in the rural countryside. Because of the oppression of these rulers and the violence that was in the land. Travelers kept to the byways. The villages ceased in Israel. Everyone lived in fortified cities. And unfortunately, in those fortified cities, there was war constantly at the gates. And there was neither shield or spear to be seen among 40,000 in Israel. They were de armed, they, they were powerless, they were impotent against this oppressor who had overruled their lives. Now, when Deborah comes, she says, these villages ceased. Uh, they ceased to be until I arose. Now, what Deborah sings of her life is not her great leadership, not the fact that she uh, was, was a high politician, not the fact that she was a judge, Judy of the day, or not the fact that she was a prophetess and she probably heard clearer than God than nearly anyone in her generation. But she sings of what she believed had the most influence. And she said, uh, until I, Deborah, arose as a mother in Israel. That's what she sings about. Now, with this here, it was as a mother that actually brought salvation to their nation. Now, of course, to radical feminism, and I I don't want to be impolite, uh, but I, I do want to say something towards that. For radical feminists... Now, I remember down at Cos Harbor University when I was down there there was this was in force in the university they always regarded motherhood as a demeaning role for women that 's how they viewed it and of course uh, to be a woman was to be career orientated which is fine and and uh, uh, and you know, the focus on that way. But for them, the Bible became a villainous book is because basically motherhood or has been seen as the primary nurturer of children was seen by the ultra-feminists as somehow demeaning and obsolete for this generation. That certainly wasn't so for Deborah. And, um, And in her position, she doesn't attribute her influence of her life to bringing of salvation to abilities of leadership, yet she had it all. To her marital status, she had it all. Uh, to her spiritual leadership, her prophetic ability—none of those things. But certainly, she sings of being a mother. Now, uh, Deborah had spiritual pro- prominence as a prophetess. She had. She was married to Lapidoff, the flaming torch. Yet she outshines him uh, in her life, and she has prominence in the nation and civil leadership and government. And for her, though, uh, it says there, that in that leadership, i would maybe just draw this attention to Judges 4-5, she used to sit under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. and the people of Israel came up to her for what? For judgment. You now, what do the ultra-conservatives do with her? They're, she's embarrassment, uh, because she fits no paradigm. Uh, she blows apart every box that people can have. I like her. <laughs> That's me. Uh, I like her. Now, with this here, she has a plan of how to deliver the nation. Listen to a plan. Um, I tell you, no wonder Barak had to have faith. Uh, now, as a woman, she stands up and she says, you know, uh, until I, Deborah, arose as a mother in Israel. And what she'll do, she'll come and she raises up a, uh, a, a spiritual son by the name of Barak. Who is going to deliver the nation? So she sent to summon Barak, her lightning bolt, and he is going to go and he's going to take uh, from uh, Mount Tabor ten thousand people, and this is her plan. I'll now present it to you. She is going to go uh, and send this man and ten thousand Israelites against Sisera and the and the Canaanite hordes. Now Sisera has nine hundred chariots. Chariots do best in the plains. And, uh, and so she sends Barak and her, this army on the plains to fight this Canaanite general. In other words, where he had the most tactical advantage and the most power. Israel would be the most vulnerable and ill-equipped in that place. This is her plan. And then, finally, she sends 10,000 in Israel under the leadership of Barak against a multitude that cannot be counted by number. Now, no wonder Barack had the faith. Sometimes, boys, when those girls hear the word of God, um, you've just got to go, dear God, I hope they have heard. Is because when Barack, it says here in, in Hebrews 11, it says, "But what more shall I say? For a time would fail me if I tell you of the faith." And then he goes, Barack, this boy had to have faith to follow this plan through. Uh, but he did follow it. However, he says he will not go into battle. Uh, I'll read this, Judges 4, 8, and 9. Barak said to her, if you'll go with me, I'll go. Uh, but if you will not go with me, I will not go. And she said, I will surely go with you. She'll put herself on the front line because she knows she's heard God. And she said, I will surely not go with you. Nevertheless, the road on you which you are going will not lead to your glory. For the Lord will sell Sisera, this Canaanite leader, into the hand of a woman. Because girls are going to rule the show in this particular story. Now, with this, probably one of the best commentaries on this story is the book of Revelation. And I want to read this scripture, which is very important for us here. Revelation chapter 12, 1 and 2 says this, uh, And a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, uh, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of 12 stars. Obviously high, highly figurative. But it goes, she was pregnant and was crying out in the pains and the agony of giving birth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that he, when she bore her child, he might devour the child and to destroy what she was going to bring into the world. Now, obviously, the revelation there, in, uh, or the what Revelation is speaking of, is actually a reference to another verse in the Old Testament. And that verse actually comes from Genesis 3, uh, 15, the first promise in the Bible. And I want to just refer to that, but I do want to say this. The devil hates women. Not only does he hate women, but he hates of all roles that a woman can fulfill is motherhood. He hates it with a passion. The reason being, uh, can I just say, girls, He doesn't fear you becoming a doctor. He does not fear you becoming a a judge or a a, a high politician. And and I have no problem with women in any of those roles. Just understand me. But what he does fear, he greatly fears and trembles at the fact that a woman can be a mother. It petrifies him. Now the reason I say that because the first promise that Revelation 12 referred to is in Genesis 3:15. When man sinned and fell, God spoke a curse over the serpent and then over the woman and then over the man. Now as he spoke the words over the serpent or the one standing through that serpent which was Satan himself, he said this in the very first promise in the Bible. I'll put enmity between you and the what's it say? The woman, Now, uh, and I want you to notice that there will be enmity between the woman and the serpent. Now, the woman had first been deceived and actually served the serpent in the beginning. But now there would be enmity. And between, listen to this, your offspring and her offspring, he shall bruise your... In other words, she will destroy the devil. Now, the devil knew that promise that it would be through the woman that would bring his destruction. In fact, it was women who would be his nemesis on this planet. And he knew that, and he knew he would bruise that offspring in the heel, but with this here, it would be the woman who would destroy the nation, uh, or destroy the devil and the oppression that he puts on God's people. Now, with that, Deborah says, "...I arose as a mother in Israel." That's what she sings of. That's her declaration. Now, of course, I think most of you may be aware that uh, that there has been fulfilled very strongly, prophetically throughout the Bible. But probably headed up when uh, in the New Testament, when, behold, uh, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us, Matthew one twenty three is because Mary would bring forth the son who would be the ultimate destruction of the devil would be his nemesis. And Mary, as that young girl that she was at that time, received that promise. You might remember Elizabeth sang this song of her, uh, Luke one forty two, and she explained, exclaimed with a loud voice, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your... The reason being, because it will reap the nemesis of satanic power. And so it was motherhood that, in fact destroyed the devil. Now, Mary, of course, brought forth her lightning savior, which was her son, which we now know as Jesus Christ. And he likewise had a plan to take on the devil where he was strongest in death and uh, and the power of that. And so Jesus walked into a valley just like Barak would, into a valley where it looked as though the enemy had the highest tactical advantage. Now, what happened... um, God would lure Satan into this trap just as Sisera was lured into this battle where he honestly believed he was going to annihilate the opposition of Israel. Now, we are told how that victory worked in the Old Testament. The amazing thing of this story is the Jews in AD 67 tried the exact same plan against the Romans in the same place, same location, and were annihilated. But Deborah's heard God. And so we know how this victory worked, and I just want to read it for you. It doesn't come from Judges 4, but it does in her song in Judges 5. From heaven the stars fought. From their courses they fought against Sisera. The torrent of Kishon swept them away, the ancient torrent of Kishon. Uh, There was a flash flood, a massive deluge, and if you've got chariots, what happens with deluge land? They become useless. And this deluge happened right at the moment of battle, And Sisera's army became bogged, and although Israel had no weapons, Israel overruled the nation and totally annihilated the Canaanites. And it went down in history of Israel as one of the greatest victories they ever uh, had wrought against an oppressor or an enemy. Now, uh, Psalm 1-3 says God can make even his clouds chariots if he so chooses. And so God actually backs up Deborah and uh, is vindicated this way. In the same way, Jesus would enter the valley of suffering and death, and the devil looked as though he had the upper hand. No one would be able to stand against that, and the devil came in and honestly believed he destroyed Jesus by putting him to death. For God's power worked, and Jesus rose from the dead. And Jesus Christ would absolutely annihilate the devil and destroy him, just as the original prophecy had done, but it came through motherhood. It came through the woman and, and being the one who would bring forth uh, a son who would destroy the enemy. Now, that is the story, but I want to just come back a little to the one who finishes the battle, Jael. And, uh, and the account of Deborah is not complete without her. Now, in Judges 4.17, but Sisera fled away as his chariots were bogged and his army was overruled by Israel. Uh, so Sarah fled away on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber, the Kenite. For there was peace between Jabin, the king of Hazor, and the house of Heber, the Kenite. They'd made a league or, 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 or an arrangement together. And so uh, what happens? Sisera so fled to what he thought was an ally. But there was a woman in that house, the house of Heber, the Kenite. Her name was Jael. And when he came, this great oppressor of Israel, she came in, instead of giving him water, she gives him milk and curds to make him very drowsy. Now, this is the story where all the adult moderns get turned off, but every Sunday school boy goes, whoa, bring it on. And, um, and so just understand, read with a, a, uh, you know, a, a, an Eastern headset. She broke the treaty of her husband and the league that she had with the suppressor that he previously bonded to, and she brings a hammer and a tent peg, and listen to the story, she drives the peg straight through Cicera's head into the ground. But at that moment, she fulfills the prophecy of Genesis 3.15, the woman would have enmity to the devil, and you will bruise him in the, where? The head. And so, what happens is Jael finishes the battle. Now, she takes this tent peg and a hammer in hand. Listen to it. Every Sunday school boy thinks this story is awesome. Um, and took a hammer in the hand, and then she went softly to him and drove the peg into his temple until it went down into the ground while he was lying fast asleep from weariness. So he died. And and that story, oh, cool. <laughs> anyway, um, you obviously are a little more offended as an adult. But... um. Can I just say here, listen to what the Scripture says in Judges 5, 24, 26. Most blessed of women be Jael, the wife of Heba, the Kenite, of tent-dwelling women. Most blessed. He asked for water, and she gave him milk. She brought him curds in a noble's bowl. She sent her hand to the tent peg and her right hand to the workman's mallet, and she struck to Sarah and crushed his head. She shattered and pierced his temple. And so what happens is this story... As offensive as it is to modern ears, is a story that we actually, to understand with deep, deep spiritual significance, but it all came because of a woman who was a mother in Israel who released a son, uh, a spiritual son who would actually oppose the enemy, but jail, it must complete it. Now, can I, we read this uh, psalm, I read it for Ben and Ali, and I want to come back to this, and I want to say this: by all means, for all our girls, uh, you know, you become a civil leader in a town. That's wonderful. Uh, you know, if you're a married girl and got a career, girl, no problem. You're a prophetess in the church. You can hear God clearly. Man, I'm going to sit up and take notice. Everyone got that, okay? But the thing of greatest honor of all is as a mother, is because it's this that will bring d- destruction. Of the enemy in the land. And it's always been because it was prophesied right in the beginning of time. Now I read this psalm uh, for Ben and Ali, Psalm 127, 3 and 4. Behold, children are the heritage of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Because women, as mothers and as primary carers or nurturers of children, have the ability to straighten those arrows to hit their target. And to destroy the enemy in this generation. And it is an incredible position to hold, and it's a position that we need to honour in the church. And so motherhood. And now, right at this moment, we've got a whole bunch of girls who are on their ways to be mothers, isn't it, Luke, uh, the, uh, Paul, um, and uh, and who else we got in the room? There's uh, oh Simon over here. And can I just say the roles that your girls are doing. Can I, can I just say, is a noble role. And it's one the enemy fears above all roles that, that she can play is because she has got the ability to release a lightning bolt into this world that will be the devil's destruction, his nemesis. And, uh, and that is why we will give honor to motherhood and why I think we need to do this as a church. And can I just say here, most blessed be of women, J.L. Because, friends, the church is jail. We now have the power to drive tent pegs through the devil's head. Every demon shakes and quivers. is because Jesus Christ has defeated the enemy. He stripped him of all power, Colossians 2.15. Stripped him like a general. And now the church can rise up, and we can drive a ped right through the head of every demon. Yeah. You might get a little woo, but I tell you, that is the power that is in the church's hands. But it comes, it comes through, it comes through this aspect of motherhood. And so, Chris Camidge, I am done. <laughs> and I want to pray for us all, is because as we take this day and we come, I want us actually to honor what should be honored. And if you, all you girls in the room get your careers, get all that sort of thing, but ultimately the greatest office that I believe that should be held and honored is motherhood is because of a very, very powerful office. I want to pray. I want to pray for God's blessing on every one of us here today. Father, we thank you. We honor you. Lord Jesus, I just thank you for your anointing, for your blessing on all our lives. Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you would breathe over your church. You'd breathe on our lives. Father, I pray for every marriage in this room. I pray for all those young couples that are expecting children at this moment. I pray for your blessing, for your encouragement, for your hand over their lives. And Lord Jesus, we give you the glory. We give you the honor. And Lord, I pray as a church that we'd rise up. And Lord, as J.L., we would finish this battle. And we thank you for what Jesus has done. We thank you for totally overthrowing Satan and the works of darkness. And Lord, I pray that, Lord, as we just live this out, Lord Jesus, that every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And Lord, in your authority, every demonic power in this shire will bow. And Jesus, we honor you. We thank you for that and glorify you now. Amen.